Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. It's Tuesday at two on the East Coast in the United States, and it's the Nonprofit Exchange Interviews with Leaders, Tools and Systems and Strategies for Leading Organizations. It's a hard job leading in that what we call the nonprofit world, but we have some guests that have expertise, experience, insights about it. Uh, last week, we had a guest from down under in Australia. They got up really early to be on the show. Week before, we had somebody in Europe, and they stayed up really late. Today, we're just on normal time. I've got somebody two miles from me in Lynchburg, Virginia, Jay Parker. He's the president and CEO of the YMCA of Central Virginia. So, Jay, welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange. Let's start by you telling people who is Jay Parker, a little bit about yourself. Well, thanks for having me on, Hugh. This is a great opportunity. I always love to, to share a little bit about the why, but a little bit about me. Uh, I was born and raised in Lynchburg, Virginia. I actually swam here at the Y when I was a youngster. I probably started swimming here when I was nine and swam about four years. And then in high school, I ventured, I was a, you know, football player, wrestler, whatever sport I could get my, my, you know, I could get to join. I did that, weightlifted here and never knew you could really work for the YMCA. And I just stumbled into a career that started uh, full-time in Chattanooga, Tennessee at the Y in, in Chattanooga. And, and it actually, um, didn't work out there two years. I My job got eliminated and I had to move back home and I had to figure out where I was going to go. And really, I was a little, you know, I don't know. I was a little, I had hard feelings towards the why and, and I stayed away for a little bit, but I ended up started coaching swim team down in Alta Vista, came by, by here and talked to Susan, um, my predecessor here that had known me since I was 16 years old. And she hired me to be the aquatics director, and I've just uh, made the the uh, journey through coming from moving from aquatics director to a senior program director to a branch exec to VP to a chief operating officer now as the CEO going on my fifth year, and it just gives me a lot of uh, a lot of great feelings. I never never have a Monday because I love getting up. I love being with people and, and, and that being staff or members or participants, our community or the rotary that uh, have visited a couple of times. I just love, love being around people and, and uh, engaging and sharing how we can make, you know, our community better. So outside of work, um, people say I'm a little nuts. I, I'm an eight time Ironman uh, racer, which is, Two and a half, about two point four mile swim, one hundred and twelve mile bike, and a marathon. So, it takes uh, it takes leadership there when you're on your own, even to lead yourself through through a grueling process like that. So, that's a little bit about me. I've got four kids. I've got three grandkids. One on the way. Got a beautiful wife and and great family. So I'm truly blessed. So he's a regular guy, just a salt of the earth community member. So I'm pleased to interview somebody in my own city who's doing exemplary work. And that there's uh, in Lynchburg, there's three, you have three YMCA facilities, right? Correct. Yeah. And they're, they're each one a little different. And you're, um, I, I met you at Rotary just recently, you were guest speaker. And I said, Hey, you got to come on the show, talk about leadership because 
you're doing some bold things. You've raised a lot of money and you're building a new facility and you've you've been sort of strapped in a very old facility in Lynchburg and it's time for us to uh, move into a new era. So let's first talk about leading. Now, you mentioned all the different constituencies and fundamentally a leader is influencer and it's about relationships and you highlighted liking people and that that's a really top line skill set but you relate to staff now if for people that aren't aware of it, ymca you have lots of activities so you have staff that manages all of that you have board of directors you probably have the advisory committee or executive board and then you probably have some other other constituencies so what's the biggest challenge coming out of this two years we had of shutdown leading groups and looking at a vision and championing the future what's the biggest challenge today I would I would think the biggest challenge we're we're facing right now is, you know, we have a shortage in our workforce. I think everybody does. I think sometimes we try to, um, you know, we're trying to build staff and but we're asking them to do so much. and and so it's it's hard um, when your staff are exhausted. How do you build them? How do you give back? How do you reinvest in them? So, I'm trying to give them uh, some buy-in time because I don't think it all has to be from the top down. It just doesn't have to be all my way. It has to be, there has to be buy-in from your, your senior level team. They have to understand that they have some, some opinions. I'm also trying to look at, you talk about board. I'm looking at board diversity and trying to see if it does match what our community looks like. Because I think everybody looks at a situation or looks at uh, a challenge uh, through their own lens. And if we only have one lens or two lens, different lenses looking at this situation, are we really getting the true picture? So I think when you talk about leadership and being a real leader, you have to be open to questions. You have to be open to different people's opinion on how is the best way to get there. What's the best roadmap? And so... Uh, I think that's a couple of things that I feel like are really challenging us now in today's world. Um, people look at it. I mean, I think there's a different um, philosophy of, of work ethic that we're trying to address. I don't, I'm not saying that there's bad work ethic. I think just think people have different values that they're looking at. So it's just a, it's it's a challenge, but I think it's uh, it's worth we're trying to get your arms wrapped around. Well, and everybody brings different gifts to the table. And mm -hmm. I will say I'm I'm a former member. I didn't leave because I was mad, just life got complicated and I got lazy. But you know, it's not forever. And you know, I'm certainly a supporter. But what I noticed, and my wife and I would go, and everybody, everybody that we encountered had the spirit of service. Mm -hmm. So as I know, the community is a reflection of the leader. And what you just talked about is key because if everybody feels like what they do makes a difference, they're motivated. And that's one of the big problems I hear from leaders. People don't have buy-in. Any any tips for those people that that want to go to the next level of getting buy-in from their, their people? I think when you have the buy-in, they have a, you know, they have some piece of ownership. And when you have ownership, you feel like it's more a part of where you want to take the organization. It's not like they all get, you know, to do their own thing, but there is 
there is, uh, you know, there's a piece to it that talks about uh, including um, everybody and having a say of what's what what's driving the ship. And and I like to have buy-in, whether it's from our senior staff or it's from our board. I just don't want somebody sitting in a board member and rubber stamping anything. I think it we want to have some conversations around the table that gets us the best answer. Um, not, I don't have all the right answers. I don't think anybody has all the right answers. So we have to be able to ask the right questions, probe in the right area to make sure we land on that right direction that we need to go. And then that helps us uh, be a more high performing organization or YMCA or whatever whatever uh, company or organization that you happen to lead. You've highlighted some of the core teachings that we have here at Center Vision Leadership Foundation. We teach leaders to different skills to up, up their game and being a listener, not having the right answers and asking good questions and, you know, be it listening is come back again around to listening. And so you came up through the ranks, so to speak, in an organization, which gives you I would say some specialized knowledge as, as opposed to someone that came in as a lateral move mm -hmm. out of an MBA program. And, and so what have you learned moving up through the system that's valuable to leadership for you? Um, I learned hard work is necessary. Um, dedication, loving what you do. Those things um, are why I do what I do is I love helping others and I had an opportunity to grow throughout the organization and so I, I've earned just you know more responsibilities along along the way I told somebody as I never I never said no to an opportunity because I knew that would get me a new skill that would make me uh, more more ready or ready or more marketable when that time was right to take the next position. I've just been truly blessed to be able to grow within an organization without having to relocate or move somewhere else. Not that I have never thought about that, but just the right situation was always, it ended up being here. And you know, my wife and I, we've looked at other opportunities. We've actually been on those, you know, trips to where I've interviewed for CEO jobs and other places. And it just, did not have the, it wasn't the right fit. And, and I'm a real big believer in, in right fit. And, and then really surrounding yourself with people that can give you some, some feedback, you know, have those, I don't know if it's a mentor or, or a confidant or somebody that you can bounce things off of and say, hey, this is this is what I'm looking at. And they can look at it very objective and say, "Where? what are you going to do? What are you going to hook your wagon up to? And I did that. And I said, I, and so that's important to have people that can give you some, you know, unbiased information just from their perspective that can help you make a, make the best decision for you, you know, what you and, and your family in that situation. You know, Jay, I've been doing this coaching, consulting, I don't like that word, but the work with uh, leaders building organizations, both in the, the business community and the and this charity community. I like to call it for purpose business because we're we're not after the money, we're the purpose driven. But yeah. 
what you just articulated is a very rare um it's a very rare perspective you know you want to get input from people so why do you think leaders are afraid to get ideas from those in the community sometimes people perceive that to be a weakness and you obviously do not yeah i mean some sometimes i mean i've been here a long time and sometimes is there's maybe some leaders that are are a little bit either a territorial or say they're insecure they don't want to they don't want to get somebody else's ideas because maybe they they won't be is viewed as being as being competent or knowledgeable or whatever it happens to be. But I think in where we're at now, where we sit today in 2023, that we have to be more collaborative in in the in the nonprofit, if you want to call it. I, I really don't like to call it nonprofit because people say, oh well, you don't need to, you don't need to make any money. Well, that's not true. We're you know, we're a business that, you know, the electric people and the water people, we can't call them up and say, hey, we're a nonprofit. We're not paying this month. Not uh, wrong answer. You have to pay. So, you know, we're in the business of, of changing lives and helping meet community needs. So collaboration is huge. And one thing that I'm doing through our, our building uh, for the building for the better um YMCA here is we've got to be able to convene and bring in people into the Y and not be worried about who's getting credit. Uh, we've got to change. We've got to give back to our community. We've got to make it a better place. And I've heard this better place to live, work, and play. And we've got to be able to not worry about who is getting the credit and who's coming up with all the great ideas. We've got to be able to get over that. And that's one thing that I I, I don't know if I do it well, but I, I try to tell people when I meet with them, hey, we're not here trying to get all the credit. I probably don't have all the great ideas, but I, I sure would love to convene and get us together so we can collaborate and we can make a bigger difference and, and help impact that child or that family or that individual that's uh, struggling. So that's where it, it, you know the rubber hits the road for me. Uniquely, I just had a conversation this morning and there's a person watching who's a professional fundraiser, writes grants and helps facilitate board meetings, um, runs the board, um, said that grant um, grantees or grant makers are defining that you have to have, to have collaborative programs in order to qualify yeah. now. So the, the tide is changing. So that, that's essential for funding. And as a matter of fact, um, this is a conversation for us just to talk about how do we raise that footprint where we live? And, you know, you're so right. Um, the, the We can't do it alone. And we try to do too much alone. Yeah. What, I, what I've observed about you, not ever knowing you, is that what you talk about actually manifests itself in the culture. People feel like they own their space. They, they feel responsible for what they do. And they represent the brand. We don't think we need branding in nonprofit, but we do. They represent the brand of hospitality for the why. So I would I would commend you before I even knew you, I knew you were an effective leader because it's evident in the culture. Now that's compounded because you have three locations. So give people a quick snapshot um, of there's three locations, one downtown, one in in sort of halfway to then there's one down in Forest, is there? So there's three different locations? Correct. We have downtown, we have the Express that's over, I don't know if, if the listeners would know where Old Forest Road is, but it's 
it's um I don't know if it's Midtown and then out on the um western part of Lynchburg that butts up to Bedford and Campbell County is where the Jamerson family Y it's in Windhurst it's a a, a subdivision that was uh, built out probably in the late 1990s, early 2000s, and and really, really was it came forth. We're trying to figure out a way to get from Timberlake to um, to Forest Road or 221. Some people call it that that live here, but and that was you know you had to go through neighborhoods. So that's a planned community that the Jamerson Wives is housed in, and it's it's our most active. It's got. Um, Pre-COVID, it was over 6,000 units of membership or about 17,000 members. And to give the listeners a perspective, in a year time, we would probably, we would have over 500,000 scans by members. Now, that doesn't capture everybody that, because we have a partnership with Central Health that's located up front in the building, and they do a lot of rehab services there, cardiac rehab, occupational rehab, physical therapy, and so they had thousands of people entering that. So it's a very um, used uh, center that we like to call them family centers because they're open to families. But those that's family center probably has closer seven, eight hundred thousand people coming in it. Not into you know not you know it's probably multiple use by certain individuals. But it's a highly used one. Our express location, which is on Old Forest Road, is. We we own that, and we have now got a partnership with a church that's going to have their church services in there on on Sundays, and they're going to have their sanctuary. We're expanding. Um, you know, we're putting about two and a half million dollars worth of money into that as as uh, a direct relationship with with the church, and they're they're going to be able to be have bigger church services. Their church is called Bedrock, and so. Those are unique situations where, where that we're not um, we're not the only one across the country that has done some of these partnerships. It makes natural you know natural sense to partner together because we have space that we don't use on Sunday and they can use it. And then when they're not there, we can use it for our purposes. So it it helps the community in more ways than one. And so we're doing that, and that's been um, Express has been part of our association we're, we're on their 12th year and then downtown we're going through a renovation to really give us some spaces so we can touch our community so they're each different to a certain degree and all what we offer what our members like what they don't like and we've been in downtown since 1856 Whoa. And so we're in our third location in downtown um so it speaks volume for what the Y has been able to do and how we've been able to pivot and change through the, you know, the test of time to change to meet the needs because everybody knows the YMCA was Young Men's Christian Association back in 1850s. Now we probably have more female members than we have male members. And so we do childcare, we do achievement gap programs where we help bridge that summer gap uh, where students from low-income neighborhoods are losing uh, months of reading and math. And so we've really identified some areas of in the community that has a need that the Y can fulfill some of those needs in relationship with our partners that help come beside us. We don't do this alone. 
We do it because we have partners in the community. We do this because we have donors that I call members of our Y. They're not card-carrying members where they come in and use the Y, but they are a member of the Y community because they believe in us enough to make a donation and say, Jay and team, put that to good use, make a difference, and that's what we do. Wow. You just kind of slid this in there, renovation uh, downtown. It's a major, it's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, you showed some slides. This is like a big deal. This is, this is like almost, almost whole new construction, isn't it? It is. I mean, we're we're going to take the front end of it and add on to it um, and really make that a brand new section. And we're going to renovate and refresh is like the 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 architects like to call it refresh the end of it. So if you're if you were new to this community and the next so it's going to take us until 2025 to do the work. So if you moved in here in 2026, you come to the to the now Shul Clark family Y you would think that this is a brand new why you would not in essence know that there that it was a renovation it was added on to because it's it's had many many add-ons and iterations done to it over the years to really just to make it fit and and serve a need so that's a big deal so let's let's just unpack a little more you've just identified multiple layers of complexity to leading. Now you have three distinct locations with a lot of activity. Now, let me just put your numbers in context. You're talking about Lynchburg, Virginia. It's a city of about 82,000 uh, residents. So those numbers are pretty amazing in that that small city space. So those that's really amazing. So you got complications with staff in three locations. How do you do that? You can't be everywhere, so you must have really good leaders in each location. I do. Um, we we value um, leadership. We value training and and reinvesting in your staff. If you want your staff to take care of your members or take care of what is driving your your organization, you need to feed them, you need to train them, you need to value them, spend time with them. And so, yes, we have a great senior uh, leadership team that uh, is comprised, I've got a chief operating officer and we have a VP of, of finance, administration and people, which is just a, a glorified name. She's HR, but she's over finance and she is tremendous. Uh, we were so blessed to get her she kind of transitioned it from the for-profit world, as some people like to say, and we were blessed to get her here. So we've got great leaders, but we, we you know, we are trying to put that structure into place so we can um, make sure we take care of them. I mean, that's, you know, they're pulled in a hundred different directions. When you've got thousands of members, everybody has their own opinion on what is important and what is not and what you should be doing and what you should not and how you should do it. And so you, you've got to be strong in your beliefs and, and what that is, and you obviously got to have good support. So not only, I, I, have never, I don't know if I've told you this, so we, we actually um, have the three locations. We have a child care program that operates in Lynchburg, Amherst. Uh, we have about 10 sites. Um, our numbers of kids since COVID has changed. But we, we run a lot of childcare because we know parents need a place to put their children. 
And if they don't have a place to put their children, are they going to go to work and be productive? No, they're not. And so we've been doing that. We've been in the childcare business since the late 80s. So we do that also along with our three locations. And another thing on top of that is we also manage the Farmville Y, which is 56 miles away east from us. They're an independent Y that um, came on tough times. So we've been managing that. And so that's part of what I do as well. So, you know, I'm leading not only my board here in Central Virginia, but I have a board of uh, about 15 uh, community leaders down in Farmville, Virginia. And Farmville serves Farmville, Buckingham, Cumberland County, uh, Nottoway County, and there's one other county I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on, but there's a big service area and it takes, you know, it takes certain communication skills, certain leadership skills to be effective in that. And, and I think um, I'm not good every day at it, but I'm, I'm, I'm decently and I'm always learning and willing to, to dig in. Leadership skills are always, you can always find them. I look at this on LinkedIn. There's a leadership, um, leadership um, I think it's called Leadership First. It has a lot of things about, you know, great leaders um, talk about, you know, they don't, you know, they care more about their people than what we're, what we're really doing. So there's a lot of things that I try to, nuggets that I try to take and I try to push them to my staff and try to grow better leaders. Outstanding. That was the question I was going to ask. You've already answered it. So that's great. So we're at the end of this really helpful interview, Jay. What thought or challenge or tip would you like to leave all these nonprofit leaders and clergy that are listening today? My thing is continue, continue to look for resources to grow your leadership. I'll say this. Um, you know, somebody was mentioning to me, do you have a legacy? And I think my legacy is, is to grow leaders. I mean, it's not about uh, how many facilities you run. It's about that leadership that you leave and that person that you develop to then drive on. So I think when I, when I think of what is the most important aspect of my job, it's not raising money. It's about growing every one of my leaders to then be the best that they can so they can grow and do what they want to do. So, you know, if I don't have great leaders, we're going to be limited on what we can do. So that's what I think is, is to continue to learn, look for resources so that you can keep growing. I think one other thing, and I'm not trying to be a salesman, one thing we started doing this year is we looked at the entrepreneur operating systems, the EOS system that's out there. Some people may have heard of that. Yes. It's a business program that drives you by doing rocks and it's organized meetings. And so if you have any desire to learn about it, look up, we're doing it and we have a great one and, and great leader that's leading ours. And I think it's tremendously beneficial. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Jay Parker, it's, it's a pleasure to have your leadership in the community where I live and work and look forward to future conversations. Thank you for the wisdom today. And thank you for being our guest on the Nonprofit Exchange. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for listening to the Nonprofit Exchange. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.